Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to crisis management, disaster recovery, business continuity, resilience, anything that helps you, your corporation, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Now, today's show, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look back at some of the events of 2023, and then we're going to take a look forward to what might happen and what we should be concentrating on in 2024. And it's that time again. I want to welcome to the show, Regina Phelps. Regina, welcome back. Alex, it's been so long, 30 days. It's so good to see you, my friend. Yeah, actually, it's been less than that, believe it or not. We really? Oh, gosh, see, it flies by. <laughs> We're recording a little earlier because uh, Christmas Day would have been our normal recording day. So we're doing it a week early this time. That's right. That's but right. it's always great to see you. And I'm yeah. looking forward to, uh, oh boy, I wonder wonder what news she has for me this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've been on quite a roll lately of kind of depressing and heavy topics. So I thought I would change it up today. Uh, given the fact that it's almost the end of the year, I don't know about you, but I like to have some reflection as the year ends and as the new year is coming to us. And so I thought maybe what we could do is utilize today for for that kind of a purpose and really looking at not just um, what's happened professionally and all the things that have gone on in the world, of course, but give us an opportunity to really reflect on our, our personal performance and how we've done in our job, but then also think about what we might want to do when we grow up next year. Yeah. Um, and we'll sort of dig into that. How does that sound? Sounds good. And I don't know about you, but I've been fantastic with my role this year in my job. (laughs) (laughs) I would expect nothing less. Nothing less. (laughs) I've been equally as fantastic. How's that? (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's see. I'm going to scoot this up here. So I guess the question is, can you see my screen? I can. Okay, good. So as uh, you mentioned, I thought it'd be fun if we actually sort of glanced back and then looked forward um, as we are at the course of the uh, end of the year. Okay. So uh, what I would just say, and all of our listeners who've been listening to us drone on for the last year, know that there is a heck of a lot going on in the world. And that certainly is a huge, huge issue. And I don't know about you, but I am just really tired. I've been trying to take good care of myself, but I'm really tired. How have you been feeling these days, Alex? Actually, the same. Uh, I've got to say I've been tired too, because like you, I'm probably reading lots of websites, listening to the news. um, You know, and I know you're active on some social media as well. Mm -hmm. And every day there's something new. And after a while, you just, oh, there's, there's just so much. How... How can I take all this in? Right. There's right. so much information. So I, you know, at the end of this year, 
I do feel kind of tired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Worn out, tired. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of emotionally and intellectually just sort of fried is how I would describe it. Yeah. Even though I've been trying to behave myself and really disconnect whenever I can, it's still, I'm still feeling the, the, the weight of the year, I guess, is what I would say. And certainly, I mean, we have had a lot going on. And if you just sort of, I'm just going to quickly talk through a few things here. I mean, of course, we already know that 2023 was the hottest year on record in actually August, uh, which is impressive, but kind of disturbing when you think about the impacts of climate change. And of course, there's been tremendous issues related to that across the world. I just mentioned a few here, the Greek uh, floods and wildfires, your wildfires. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Uh, there's been issues in, in the Southern Hemisphere with Brazil, with cyclones and floods, of course, droughts in Canada, the U.S., Europe, the Maui fire, for example, just so many issues that can all be traced back to climate change. And I can remember when I first did my first speech on climate change, I think I was at DRJ and it might have been 2000, oh, I don't know, five people just thought I had lost my mind. And I just thought, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're not paying attention. And unfortunately now it is just so uh, significant and it's not, there's nowhere in the world that's, you know, um, haven't been touched. And you, for example, this year, my gosh, the fires in Canada were just awful, 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 oh, awful. Yeah. Everywhere, the uh, all across the country. You mm -hmm. know, if the wrong winds had picked up, we could have lost an entire city of Halifax. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. You know, they or Halifax or was it St. John's? Oh, it, one of them. And my apologies if I'm remembering uh, incorrectly, but <laughs> it was a city on the east coast mm -hmm. that had a forest fire all of a sudden on the outskirts that thankfully went the other way. But if it mm. had gone a different way, we could have lost that city. Wow. Had you know the fires in uh, northern Ontario and Quebec, where all the smoke came mm. down and was impacting Washington, D.C. and New York. Yeah, New York, Boston. Chicago. I mean, it yeah. was impressive. Yeah, and then the, the fires in British Columbia and Alberta, you know, where mm -hmm. so many evacuations going on and people being airlifted. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a lot, and, you know, I know California had them again. Mm -hmm. you know, um, yep. down, down where you are, it's all the time. Yeah. And you even mentioned, uh, you started talking about it in 2005, I met uh, the president of the International Emergency Management Society back in 2009, and we were having a conversation about climate change. And at the time, I was like, oh, really? I, I didn't know much about it. But right, wow, right. it didn't take long for things to escalate. Yeah, so true. It's very funny. I've, I've sat on many different environmental boards, in particular about birds, because I don't know if you know about this about me, but I love birds. And I remember being on a board uh, in the early 2000s. It was the California Audubon for the state of California. And we started talking about climate change and the impacts to birds and the impacts on wetlands and, and, and land in general. And when I first heard that, it was like 2002, I thought, really? And it really perked my interest. And because of that, I actually started doing a lot of research. And then I began to see, oh, my God, <clears throat> pardon me, this is going to have a huge impact, not just on birds, and the land, but of course, all of us in every way, and certainly in the kind of work that you and I do, and every, everybody that listens to this podcast more than likely does. So yeah. it's a significant issue. And I think we're only going to see that continue to escalate. And I think this last year, 
is by far the worst on record, not just for the temperature, but just for the impact on the land and to the people across the world. Yeah, and even just recently, I read an article today of floods in Australia due to heavy rains, and uh, crocodiles are found <laughs> swimming in the streets. Oh my gosh, really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I believe it. <laughs> wow. I remember I spent about a month in Australia. I think it was maybe in like 1999, 2000. And oh my gosh, the, the size of those crocodiles. I can't imagine something like that swimming down your street. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> scary thought. Scary thought. That's amazing. Amazing. So the, all the global uncertainty, and of course, you and I, I think, have spent a lot of time talking about this um, over the last couple of sessions that we've done together, talking about the whole issue of Taiwan and how China continues to saber rattle against them. And of course, the impact that that would have not, not only on Taiwan, but then, of course, the loss of TSMC, which is the largest semiconductor manufacturer in the world, and the impact that would have on every single person, every single industry. And then, of course, what's going on in China now with their global collapse uh, as far as their economy. Uh, there was a piece in The Economist just uh, about a month ago that talked about the fact that there's 26 million, that's with an M, million units of empty apartment buildings that have been built in this big, massive building projects they've been having going on to give you a sense that you know, those are empty and they're not getting paid for. And so therefore those loans are coming due and all those uh, for the contractors and the builders and the banks that finance them. And so those things could have a huge impact uh, globally as well. I and saw of course, one of those complexes. Oh, did you really? When I was back in China <clears throat> in 2009, 2010, I was there for an International Emergency Management Society conference in Beijing. And we did get a tour of one of these new complexes around um, and I forgot the name of the city, but where the big earthquake was back in the, the early 2000s, the yep, huge yep, one, the, yep, you know, yep. um, they were building all these buildings, for, uh, apartments, and they said they were having trouble getting people to move into them because a lot of the residents preferred the lower, you know, buildings, you know, being ground floor, did not want to move into these towers. Yeah. So yep. They had all these towers and massive streets. And it was all sitting empty and we were driving around. It felt like a ghost town. Wow. Wow. Well, now just think about that in not just that particular part of, the, of China, but many parts of China mm. where these are either completed, <clears throat> partially completed, or just where they've dug, you know, dug the foundation. And, and the impact of that's going to be huge because, of course, those loans will all get due and how that impacts you know, their economy and therefore their economy and then uh, what happens with uh, in our, doing commerce with China. So it's a, a huge deal. Russia, of course, I mean, my gosh, there's so much going on, as we well know. And there's some really interesting stuff. I don't know if you follow much about what's happening in Northern Europe, but right now, Russia is really pushing the borders at Finland mm -hmm. and, and uh, flying over on an average. Uh, NATO is intercepting and diverting on an average, every every month, about sixty Russian fighters, um, and those are you know aircraft that are getting into NATO airspace since Finland is in NATO, and so that's also becoming kind of a area with fraught with tension. Which is, I mean, one more place, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh! And all the coups recently in uh, in Africa, both in the central and western part of Africa, 
Interestingly enough, a lot of that um, uh, from reporting I've read from The Economist and other publications is that it looks like it's actually Russia that's actually stirring a lot of that. And you'll see that Russian flags are prominent in many of those countries where coups have occurred. And Russians are considered to be actually a, you know, a, a uh, just like, you know, you're a, a, if you want to look up to a good authoritarian leader, you know, look up to Putin. Like, oh, my God, really? Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's Wagner problematic. Group. Yeah. And the Wagner group has been involved with that a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you and you might say, well, why are they over there? Well, just stop and think about the sheer number of minerals in particular, which is why China is so heavily invested in Africa. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's a lot of tensions in that part of the world, uh, and it's really stirred by their natural resources. And then, of course, we still have this incredible global uh, f- food insecurity, uh, really fueled also, I want to say, by the Ukraine war, because they are the largest providers of wheat to the African continent. So you look at that particular issue, that kind of just global insecurity. I mean, we're looking at, you know, essentially you know, three or four major regions in the world with a lot going on um, and everything's still at play. Uh, and that's what we're going to be heading into the new year with. None of that's going to be resolved. And then, of course, uh, there's just a whole list of crises that have happened this year, uh, of which you might think, well, you know, who cares about what's going on in Haiti or Sudan or Syria or whatever? I just want to say to you that every one of these crises began to catapult to the next crises and begins to catapult to the next one. Just as if you couldn't imagine, you know, that all of a sudden we'd have a a war in Israel. It's there is so much going on, and and what I've discovered is that many of my clients have projects in many places all over the world. And a good example of that is certainly when the uh, Israel Hamas war started. Turns out that uh, when they uh, really brought back men into active service in Israel, turns out that many of my clients who have technology businesses in Israel lost a lot of their tech engineers because they went back to the military. Wow. And so you you know you would never think that here you are I'm in a tech business and how is that going to impact my workforce? Oh no. It significantly impacted their workforce because those people were brought back into the military to fight uh that war with Hamas. So there's lots and lots of things going on and I think we cannot be so flat-footed that wherever we are in the world, that all of these things that just as I've listed here on this page don't somehow impact you. And it may not impact you directly, but many of those things cascade to each other. And then pretty soon we have a crisis um, of, uh, of a significant magnitude in an entire region or with other countries participating in those crises. And that's what you're certainly seeing with China and Russia and other large countries around the world. So there's a lot to chew on in the global space. And I'd like to add to that too, is countries on the other side of the globe, and I'll use Canada as an example, we have a lot of people from different ethnicities here. Right, so something happens on the other side of the world, those communities that are here are impacted because their family and friends are back home. Right. And now they become suspicious of their neighbors. It does grow in other areas. Yeah. No matter where it happens in the world, that impact will be felt further than just the borders of those one or two countries having a disagreement or a and war. Are, or and are you seeing that with, with, with the Israeli-Palestine event? 
in particular with all of the protests for Israel, for the protests for Palestine. And here in the States, and I'm sure probably the same in Canada, on college campuses, there's a lot of angst on both sides of those two groups really pushing back at each other. Yeah, yeah, it's happening uh, everywhere. We're seeing it, uh, protests here in Toronto, um, uh, Ottawa, the capital in front of parliament buildings, all across the country. Mm -hmm. Those um, uh, demonstrations are occurring and you end up with people uh, in the middle who just want peace for everybody. You end up with people on one side or the other, you know, being derogatory and want to cause harm to the others. So you you don't just end up with this side or that side. You end up with others getting drawn into it um, who just, you know, kind of like people who want to create peace, you know, hey, calm down, everybody. They get drawn into it. Right. You end up with multiple groups that you never thought would be a part of this. And I'm not just saying Palestine and Israel. I'm saying, you know, all different things that happen around the world end up bringing in these different uh, groups getting involved. You know, and then then you end up with the the bad players who like to uh, piggyback on um, events around the world just so they can try and push their own negative uh, agendas. So it just keeps growing. And we have talked about that a lot, I think, over the last few months, right? The issue of this um, really, uh, the, this incredible disruption in the planet caused initially by the pandemic that has created a lot of tensions, allowed for a lot of divisions to occur. And certainly the pandemic has been a huge driver in a lot of that unrest. Uh, not that people would necessarily trace it back to the pandemic, but it certainly was the big driver, I think, from a good part of it. And it's really fueled a lot of this disturbances, if you will, and social unrest. Yeah, agreed. Uh, which then gets us to, uh, I think, one that I find personally very disturbing. And this is really the challenge of uh, and the rise, uh, challenge democracy and the rise of the autocratic leaders. And currently, we have seen that in the United States. It was certainly with Trump and a variety of other leaders like him, uh, and especially on the Republican Party in the United States. Uh, look at the, you know, the election of the new Argentine um, prime minister, right? Who's or mm-hmm. president? I can't remember what his official title is. Who, you know, initially was saying that he he was he was and who is it'll be interesting to see what actually happens. I mean, he's talking about dollarizing the economy. He's talking about he has already slashed. 10 of the 18 ministries. I don't even know how you do that. So we'll see how that shakes out. But that was one of his first actions. Uh, and he essentially was also, when he was running for office, was encouraging a law that would allow people to sell their body organs for cash. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, that guy won. <laughs> yeah. That guy Ugh. won. And, and I actually know a fair number of people in Argentina and... They told me, and they when they told me they voted for him, I thought like, oh my God, you got to be kidding. And, and they said, no, uh, it, they've had a, a inflation running between 125 to 175% a year for the last 10 years that they're said like, we have to do something and we don't even know what it is, but it has to be something different. And yeah. so um, I'm really curious as what's going to happen there, that they're, they, um, um, they're really in a lot of trouble, right? Yeah, and then the Netherlands just selected an autocratic leader. Um, Hungary, of course, has Orban, who is pretty awful. Uh, China, of course, Russia, and you know, there's many other smaller 
autocratic states around the world. And this is actually a disturbing time where you're seeing more growth in autocratic governments, autocratic leaders, than you have probably since uh, World War II. Yeah. And that's disturbing. History repeats itself. Yeah, you know, and it's scary to be living in uh, in these times and, and wondering what's going to happen. And, and in case you didn't notice, we have a big election next year mm-hmm. in America. And we are your southern neighbor. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And we will be impacted by that because oh my gosh. some of that, uh, some of the rhetoric and the, the comments that get uh, spewed by some of the candidates right now uh, makes its way into the politicians' mouths here. Yeah, you know, I I, I think how many times have I called you, uh, talked to you and said, like, I'm, I'm really sorry, Alex. I feel like I'm in, you know, the impact that we've had on you lately hasn't been so good. So I apologize <laughs> on behalf of my brothers and sisters in the United States. <laughs> oh, Lord. And of course, we're having some rise in respiratory illness. And didn't we just talk about diseases nonstop uh, for the last three years, something like that, or four yeah. years? Yeah. Yeah, something went on, I think. Yeah, oh my gosh. So yeah, there is still COVID. Uh, there's lots of COVID. And now there's a whole new subvariant of Omicron, uh, HV.1. I, all these letters are just, I can't even remember any of them anymore. And <laughs> JN.1 is actually the new uh, big gorilla in town, at least in America. So it'll be coming to your shores soon if it's not yet already. And this is actually um, from... Although I pulled it off the CDC website today, it's actually a timestamp as of the 9th of December. But you can see the JN.1, which is the purple in the bottom right-hand diagrams, is growing in size pretty much exponentially here. And it'll probably be taking over our nation, therefore probably yours as well, probably the world as well. It uh, is highly infectious, doesn't seem to be any more... Uh, significant in causing serious illness. The vaccines are effective. The new variant, uh, the new uh, bivalent, no, it's not a bivalent any longer. It's actually the new Omicron vaccine is actually very effective against it. So if you have not got vaccinated, this is a good time. Influenza is on fire in America. I don't know about Canada, but we got a lot going on. A lot of flu, a lot of flu. Are you seeing that? We have a, uh, I don't know if it's a, uh, a flu, but there is a real big cold that's been going around. Is it RSV? Probably RSV. Well, it no. It's been RSV for the longest time was linked to kids for, mm-hmm. for the longest time, but adults are getting this cold, and the cold seems to last two or three days. But there's a cough, hmm. a phlegm cough that hangs around for about three weeks. Oh God! You know, we nobody seems to know what it is. It's just a cold so it seems to be a cross between all kinds of different things right now so it knocks you out for two three days then you you can go about your business you just have this cold uh this mm-hmm. cough that lingers well you know one of the things that's happening worldwide is that because we were so um careful well not everybody but a lot of people were careful for several years that the widespread um diseases that normally circulate and keep you know people get not everybody's sick simultaneously, but everyone gets sick periodically. And so you have some sustained immunity. And then the next time it comes around, you may not get it, but maybe you get it the year or two after. Mm -hmm. Now, because we were, for the most part, 
many of us were not circulating in our normal fashion, what happened is that those particular illnesses are now coming back with a vengeance. Certainly that's the case for the flu. It's certainly the case for RSV, which has also been a huge issue in the States. And of course, COVID. But there are a variety of other, I mean, there's five different kinds of the common cold, which are all coronaviruses, by the way, but they've been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so um, those are circulating as well. So yeah, there's a lot going on illness-wise. Uh, so I hope people are thinking about this if they listen to this before Christmas, if they're going to somebody's home that they think about the think you know thinking about thinking twice about going if you're ill, because all you need is one sick person in a house that's all closed up and the heat's on, and next thing you know is you got a bunch of sick people. And be be thoughtful of your friends, neighbors, and family members. And on that note, I think we've come to the end of our first segment. We are looking back on 2023 with Regina Phelps, and we will be right back. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. At Voice America TRN. How do you cultivate braver, more daring leaders? And how do you embed the value of courage in your culture? How do you take charge of your life and achieve your goals and bring about positive changes that propel you forward? On The Leader's Edge, join your hosts, Steve and Ernie, as they bring a mix of insights in personal and leadership growth that shapes your culture and the culture around you. Lean in and learn intentionally how to accelerate into your next best life. Tune into The Leader's Edge with Ernalita DeCumos and Steve Steele, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in for And Security for All, hosted by Kim Hakem. Each week, we look into a different aspect of cybersecurity, which is important to know for anyone who is involved with the Internet daily, which is probably all of us. We take the technical jargon and make it easier to understand while helping you to identify weaknesses and issues in your own cybersecurity and fix them now. And Security for All is broadcast live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected. This month, we are talking with Regina Phelps. We are looking back at 2023, and we're going to take a look forward to 2024. Regina, lots of um, interesting news Lots of news. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I don't want to say good. <laughs> in the first segment there. <laughs> exactly right. So, but I think you know, when you look at everything that's happened in 2023, I think what I'd, I'd ask all of our listeners to do is to really stop and reflect for a moment about how you did overall. I'm I'm a big person of uh, wanting to be reflective at this time of the year. And I, in all the years I've owned my business, which is 41 years, one of the things I do every year is I look at how I've done but then I'm also thinking about going forward. So one of the things I would really ask all of our listeners to do is maybe screenshot this 
and really kind of work on this as kind of a homework project, maybe over the next couple of weeks. You know, what did you really accomplish uh, in this particular year? And, you know, how did it how did it change you and how did it uh, evolve you? Uh, and if you had to sum up what happened to you in 2023, you know, if you had to do a few words or, or a sentence or two, what would you say about it? And really reflect on the entire the totality of the year. You could look at this simply professionally, or you could look at and your personal life, or you could look at it in its holistic fashion. But it's always good to sort of stand back and look at what you've done in the course of the year. You know, what was the most memorable? Did you have any big surprises, either in your career or your family life, your personal life? Uh, any big headlines or things that were really a big event for you during the course of the year? Any significant life transitions? Uh, any achievements or milestones that you want to list? And and really any life challenges? I think that one of the powerful things about when the year ends is it gave, gives you a great opportunity to look back and say, you know, what are the really, you know, what did I really accomplish? What was really great about it? What could I have done better? Uh, what kind of things do I want to look at going forward? And that's what I want to talk about next. But I think it's good to really reflect every year about how you did. And I've started doing this. I, I got this advice when I started my business 41 years ago. And every year I have done that since then. I reflect on my year. And then I also uh, look at what I want to achieve going forward. And it's really helped me ground myself uh, in both um, in making my, in continuing to improve, finding ways that I can uh, modify or change things. Uh, it's really good to be, um, you know, thoughtful about your life. Have you ever done that, Alex? Yes, I do. I tend to do it around my birthday. Ah. Uh, early November. So that's when I kind of do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do the same sort of thing. And I think a lot of people at the beginning of the year, they make all these New Year's resolutions. You right. know, I want to do this, this and this over the year. But when the year ends, what many people don't do is actually reflect and take a look back. Did I right. actually do right. these things? What caused me not to do mm -hmm. these things? How did I do it? Did I give up? Mm -hmm. You know, and just you know, walked away. And then the next year comes and they make the same list. Exactly. Right. So exactly. Nothing Repeat. ever changes. Repeat. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the reflection part is really important. It's not, it's not to beat yourself up if you didn't uh, achieve those things. It's really to just sort of stop and just give a good look at your life. And I have really, you know, several pages of notes every year going back for 40 years that I've done. And it's really helped me improve not only my professional career, but my life in general, which I would encourage people to take that moment to be reflective. It's really helpful. Yeah. But that, and, and so I, when I was thinking about, you know, reflecting on 2023, I thought I came up with a, I thought I'm still standing. I'm like, oh, Ellen John, Ellen John has a song. So I'm still standing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sing it for you. I promise. Neither am I. <laughs> so then, then, then the thing is, well, what about uh, 2024? You know, what are we thinking about going forward? And of course, you know, the, you asked that question and I like, who knows? I don't know if you ever remember seeing any of these when you were a kid in, in amusement parks. This is where you yes. would go up to this box and it would be a automated kind of gypsy woman who would, there'd be cards and she would run her hands over it. And then a little card would drop into a, to a little uh, container at the bottom, you'd pull it out and it would be your little fortune. I, do you ever, did you ever do that? 
Yep. Yeah. The, you know, you'd never believe anything they say. They were just of course, of course, bunch of drunk in your quarter or token, and you know, and they say you're you will be successful in such and such. It was always something general that you know, you're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, right, <laughs> right, right. Fun. But, but <laughs> I mean, that's sort of like us trying to guess what's going to happen, right? So, I mean, there's just so many things that could go on, uh, both positively and negatively. And I'm not going to spend any time on those because you and I will spend the next 2024 talking about them. But everything (laughs) that I've talked about so far is all the things that we have to think about in 2024. And we've talked a lot about polycrisis, the impact of the pandemic, which will go on for about 50 years, the climate change issues, the global instability, all of the tensions globally and regionally, all the domestic issues, the rise of the autocratic leaders, all of that is going to continue to unfold in ways that we aren't even sure about in 2024. And that's really a a huge, huge uh, issue for us to contend with. So this gets down to really thinking about what you want to achieve in 2024. So you said that you do this at your birthday. I do this usually at the end of the year. Um, I usually go on retreat for a week of silence, January 1st to January 8th. And so this gives me the opportunity to do that. And I thought it, I, I'll, I'll sort of share with you some of my questions that I ask myself every year, and then maybe we can chat a bit about those. So um, I always think it's really interesting to stop and think about where you want to be, you know, uh, in every aspect of your life. And you can divide that into your personal life, which you could talk about your health, your relationships, your family, your friends, you know, all of those things. Then you can certainly talk about your uh, professional life, both in your careers, also in associations and other other work that you might do. Uh, And you and I do a lot of writing and speaking. So I put all of that stuff in that same sort of hopper as well. Uh, And then you can think about other things like maybe travel or your spiritual paths or whatever is important to you. It's a great opportunity for you to sort of really begin to think about what you want to achieve. And so these are some of the things I ask myself every year. So one of the things I'm always interested in is how do I want to feel? You know, and so at the end of the year, like I say, like next year, I'd like to feel maybe I want to feel more healthy or maybe I want to feel more accomplished, or maybe I want to feel like I'm in better connection with my friends or whatever that is, but it's really um, a feeling of something that I'm trying to get at. Um, And you could also talk about that professionally. And I try and kind of divide my life into the personal and the professional side so I don't necessarily moosh them all together. That's Mm -hmm. more helpful for me, right? Yeah, uh, me too. When I have goals, I have personal ones and professional ones. Right, um, right. Because the you know a lot of times the support networks you need to accomplish those goals are different. Right, exactly. So and how uh, you go about it, right? Yeah, you know they're, they're different places. Professionally, yeah, I want to go visit the office in San Francisco. But you know, as, as a goal. Um, but personally, well, I don't want to do anything that's related to work. And San Francisco reminds me of work, so I want to go to I don't know Seattle. Right. You know, right. Just as a you know, a simple example, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I like to I think uh it's important to have a sense of not just saying like, oh, I want to do, you know, I want to write 10 articles, I want to give five speeches, I want to write a book. I, I I like to know actually how I'm gonna feel when I do all of those things, because I think that actually is a more of a a motivator for me than actually just ticking the box 
You know, mm-hmm. I talk about ticking the box all the time, right? About our cl- yeah. clients. When clients only want to tick the box, it irritates me. <laughs> me too. Me too. Right. 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 So <laughs> I like to. You also about- have to be realistic with them too, because yes. you just gave a couple of good examples there. You know, I want to write a book, ten articles, and all these things. Then you're going to stress yourself out, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get any of your goals accomplished. Well, and the question, and I think the the bigger question to think about too is why. You know, why do you want to write the book? Why do you want to write 10 articles? Because sometimes it's easier to sort of tick those things off about accomplishments. But what's really the driver? Is it the driver that you want uh, to deepen your knowledge? Well, there's lots of ways to deepen your knowledge besides write 10 articles. Uh, is it because you want to be uh, seen as a as a professional or you want to be seen as a as an expert in the field? Okay, well, then there's other ways you can go about that. So sometimes it's kind of like, I think, you know, I've talked about this a lot. When I spend a lot of time with my clients, I'm always asking them the why question until I drive them crazy. You know, why are we doing this? And that's a little bit about this, right? When I look at what I'm trying to achieve, it's like, well, why do I want to do that? Well, why do I want to exercise every day? Oh, because I, I feel healthier. Well, you know, what's that about? You know, I mean, just, the idea is to sort of try and peel it back instead of being so... Uh, simple in thinking about something, right? Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, don't go ahead. I was just going to say, go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, I think about uh, what are the messages I want, I, I want to prepare myself for the new year. So, you know, essentially, what am I, what am I trying, how do I want to set myself up for success? So what are the messages that I want to make sure that I clearly understand that I'm trying to get out of something. So if my goal is I want to feel overall more healthy, you know, what does that mean? How am I going to get there? And why do I want that? You know, it's, it's just, you know, dig a little deeper than simply because everybody says that you should be thinking about your health or that you should be thinking about advancing your career or that you want to make more money or things yeah. like that. So I think that's, I find it helpful to sort of dig in that way. Uh, so those are really kind of more nebulous, right? I want to talk about how you, I encourage you to think about what you want to feel like, I, you know, what you want to prepare yourself for, and then really get into your goals. And so, you know, what do we do for a living, right? I, I And all of my clients, we teach how to teach, we teach incident action planning, we teach how to write very specific goals. It's the same thing. Smart goals, right? Where they're specific, they're measurable, they're achievable, they're relevant, and they're time bound. So if you're looking for goals for 24, 2024, that's the time bound is it's 12 months. And then you get into how specific you want to be, how measurable and achievable it is, how relevant it is to your overall life. Uh, and really maybe divide those into categories, you know, things like your personal health, your family, your relationships, uh, your business, your work. Uh, if you're doing pr- professional development, maybe it'd be things such as, again, speaking or writing. All of those things can really be helpful. Um, lately, uh, this last three years, I've been mentoring mainly women, but um, probably uh, about 20 different people across the world in this particular work in, in our field. And I have found that to be one of the most uh, rewarding jobs, I call it a job, but one of the most rewarding jobs I've done is to help people be reflective on their life and to ask them lots of questions, give them homework, uh, talk with them about how they could actually achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve and help them really focus 
their attention on uh, on what they want to do. And it's actually really fun to be a mentor and to really help people, you know, achieve something. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I want to add and get your opinion too is when you are determining your goals, whether they be personal or professional, or even the goals for an organization, you know, a leadership team doing this, you got to do them for yourself. What works for you? Don't do them or create them or decide on what they're going to be because somebody else has that goal. Absolutely. You know, Regina is going to write a book in 2024. Oh, that means I have to. Right. Right. No. <laughs> you know, that may, means something to Regina. It doesn't mean something to me. It doesn't mean the same thing to Alex. I'm only choosing that as a goal because I'm not really looking at myself. I'm looking right. at everybody else. Right. That is really true. And I think, you know, that's uh, really important, again, to really know thyself, right? Yeah. And and that goes back to the question of why. When somebody says to me, gee, I want to start a business. Oh, that's great. Why do you want to do that? And, and then to peel back what that means to own a business and understanding what the uh, requirements and obligations are and the uh, amount of unknownness and so mm-hmm. on, right? Um and if you're really comfortable with all of those things, after you've peeled back by asking those questions, why, then yeah, jump in it. But if you just want to start a business because it sounds cool, then wow, that's not going to work. <laughs> no, you're going you're to get a, quite the wake-up call. <laughs> you're going to get a big wake-up call, right? Exactly. And so I think it's it's really important. Uh, that's one of the best things I've done in the 40-plus years I've owned my company is I, I've set goals every year. I always do this deep dive at the end of the year. I have really structured goals about what I've achieved. I look at them. Actually, I, the way I manage my life is I look at them every day. They're the first thing that pop up on my computer. And so I see them every day, whether I want to see them or not. <laughs> and so it helps me like, okay, I'm, where am I on that? And at the end of the year, it's like, okay, did I achieve everything I wanted to achieve? If not, then why didn't I, did I really want to do it? You know, sometimes I maybe didn't dig enough deep enough into the why, and therefore I ended up uh, having something on my list that really was more of something I thought would might be fun or interesting, but I really didn't care about it in particular. So I think that's always been really helpful for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, Like I said, I do it on my birthday, but uh, um, I do the same sort of thing. You know, what do I want to do this next year? What, what kind of things do I not want to do? You know, I don't want to continue doing X, Y, Z anymore. You know, I want to cut ties with this relationship or I want to cut ties with this negative influence, yep. you know, um, in, in my life. You know, that is still a goal, you know, to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, I want to uh, meet other people in this other industry so that I can learn or whatever the case may be, you know, you can, mm-hmm. but it's got to be relevant to me and goals don't always have to be positive. It can be getting rid of some of the negative things in your life too. Absolutely. You know, to turn things around. Absolutely. And, and I think it's important that you, you know, reevaluate that like with relationships or jobs or even careers. I'm talking to, I'm mentoring somebody now who's actually wants to change their career and they're, you know, they're really like, oh, but I've spent all this time and energy and well, but are you happy? No. Well, okay, that's, <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because if you're miserable, okay, you got a degree in this, but now you hate it. Well, 
let's think about whether that makes sense. Can you use some of those skills, but not do that particular work? I mean, I think we really get hung up about how we uh, put ourselves into a box about what we have to do, should do. And then we have a hard time backing out of it, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I I think uh, a lot of people do that. And I, I, I gotta be careful. I know some people that are like that. Mm -hmm. They're not happy with what they're doing, but that's what they went to school with. So now they feel like they're stuck. Right. Right. You know, and it's kind of now what do I do? Right. Right. Well, go through this self-reflection and find out what you can do. Mm -hmm. Chances are pretty good. Some of the skills you've learned in a job you hate can actually be transferred to a job, uh, a role that you will love. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's very funny that you say that because I started my field, uh, my career initially in the field of nursing, which I only did the actual physical act of nursing for a couple of years. And often when people discover I'm a nurse, it's like, how could you do what you do now? Because, you know, you started out as a nurse and it's like, well, because nurses are really skilled. They can do lots of things, right? Mm, <laughs> Just because yeah. I was doing X and now I'm doing Y, right? It's, yeah, it still has all the, so many of the skills are exactly the same, just applied differently. So funny. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things I saw, I, I'm, I, I just ran into, and I think I'm going to do this year, is come up with a word for the year. Uh, and I thought that was interesting. I, I haven't found a positive word for the year yet for 2024. Um, the last one, uh, for 2023, if I was to give it a word, I would say it was the word I heard out of every newscaster's mouth almost every day was unprecedented. I mean, how many things have we had in 2023 that have been unprecedented? It's never happened before. Oh, my God. Um, so I'm curious. I need to find a good word for 2024. And that's what my goal is going to be in my my retreat this year. What what was your what, what do you think your word was for 2023 if you had to have one, Alex? Oh. You know what? I have really have to think about that because I I hadn't I haven't. If you had to boil thought, the ocean, right? <laughs> yeah, I haven't ever thought of, you know, what's what's the word for the year. You know, I don't think I've ever really thought of that before. I I agree with you, you know, I heard um uh, unprecedented all the time. Right. Or expressions, you know, on we're on uh, unknown ground or, you know, something along those lines all the time. Right. Uh, and in our industry, I heard everything is resilience now. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's resilient. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Everything is resilient. Yeah. The garbage pile is resilient. <laughs> yeah. You know, cleaning up garbage, you know, and how to be resilient. You know, it's like, right. oh, God, it's like just tacked on to everything these days. Right. So, That's so true. Yeah, I'm not I'm not picking to a resiliency for 2024. I'm to find something else. I just don't know what it yes. is. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But I like the idea of having a word of the year. So when you, when we get together in January, we'll have to share what our word of the year is going to be. How's that? That's our homework assignment, you and I. I I'll try to remember. <laughs> I'll try to remember. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and we only have 4 minutes left, believe it or not. I know. I'll we talk are, fast. We so, are I know I saw that. I looked at the my timer and went like, "Oh gosh." Uh, the last two things are really about uh, setting an intention. And intentions are, are are different than goals. Goals are things you want to achieve, where intentions are how you want to feel. So if you think about how you're going to be feeling in the year of 2024, what's your intention that you want to set? And that's one of the things I would encourage you to think about. And then lastly, you know, uh, if you, uh, I've done affirmations all my life. And so if, think about what kind of affirmation you might want to have in 2024. And I can tell you some great stories about those, but I won't 
today. I maybe we'll wait till the next time we're together. But these are things I'd like our listeners to be thinking about until we see them again in January. And lastly, I, I want to give you a quote that I actually read as an obituary in the New York Times. Uh, this is a lovely photograph of a in, very interesting man who unfortunately just died, but he was an older guy. Uh, Mike Gurnich, he is a very famous winemaker in Napa Valley. He actually is from Croatia, and he had the most amazing, stunning success. If you're a wine person, I'm a longtime wine collector. My family owned restaurants, so I've been a longtime wine collector forever. In May 25th of 1976, he received a telegram, a telegram, remember those? Saying that there yeah. was a stunning success in a tasting in France. And he was like, what tasting? What success? Because he didn't know anything about this. And it turns out that without his knowledge, one of his uh, vintages, this is when he was working as a winemaker for somebody else in 1973, a Chardonnay had been entered in a blind tasting in Paris. And it was pitted against other American wines and nine classic French wines, and the, there were nine French judges, and they all 100% agreed that his Chardonnay was the best white wine at this trial in 1976. Now, back then, uh, California was considered to be nothing as far as wine was concerned, and certainly in relationship to French winemakers. So when this happened, it took the wine world and flipped it upside down. And he just recently died. And when he was reflecting on his own life, he said the best piece of advice he ever got was from his father before he left his homeland of Croatia to come to actually British Columbia and then to the United States. He said, every day, do something just a little better. And I would say to all of our listeners, I hope and pray for all of you that whatever uh, ideas you have for 2024, that you every day do something just a little better. And on that note, we've come to the end of the show. Regina, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for all the, the talks and the discussions for 2023 and all the things we've learned and shared over the last year. And I wish you and all our listeners and viewers nothing but the best for 2024. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Whatever you are celebrating, even if you're not, I still hope you have a great holiday. Take care. Thanks, Regina. Everyone watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.